That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, we warned you last week, listeners, that Valentine's Day was coming, and now it is here. This episode is dropping on Monday, the 14th of February, so we hope you have something planned, and if you don't, well, may the force be with you. Well, let me tell you what you can do. You can gather your loved one and uh, pour yourself a a nice uh, glass of wine or a non-alcoholic beverage and listen to some same old song reruns. Hey-o, nothing says love like the dulcet tones of Jacob Smith and Aaron Zimmerman yeah, coming that's out right. of your hi-fi. <laughs> the Bible, Amen. I just feel like it's such an aphrodisiac. It's just Yeah, that's right. Nothing gets me in the mood than <laughs> to hear an exposition of Scripture. So <laughs> With the little Nora Jones in the background. Just a touch. <laughs> just a touch. All right. When we were, yeah, anyways, I was going to tell a personal story about somebody giving us a tape of Nora Jones. Uh, but that'll have to wait for another day. I just think yeah. it's funny that you and I have been alive long enough that we know what tapes are, as mm. our listeners maybe do as well. But let's move on now. The seventh Sunday after the Epiphany. Can we just? And can I just call call us to the collect really quick? Do it. I did it last and, week. I totally. And it like is. It's February. It's February. It's the fourteenth. It's all about love, baby. And uh, you know, he says, "Oh Lord, you have taught us that without love." Very Corinthian. Whatever we do is worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts your greatest gift, which is love, the true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. I mean, this is amazing. And just like all of this, uh, you place love with Jesus. You've taught us that without Jesus, whatever we do is worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts with your greatest gift, which is Jesus, the true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. And um, that's absolutely true. And it's uh, and uh, we cannot love on our own. We need to be loved first in order to um, that love to pour out. And we see that uh, throughout all of our readings today. Do you want to say something, Aaron? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just think the power of love is a curious thing. It makes one man yeah. weep and makes another man sing, changes a hawk to a little white dove. It's, but, you know, it's more than a feeling. Mm. That's the power of That's love. That's the power of love. That is the power of love. That is Huey Lewis in the news, and I love it. So just that was in the soundtrack of Back to the Future, the first one. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this is the power of love Sunday because, yeah, like you say, it's all about that. Thank you for humoring me with that. I think Jake knew where I was going. Yeah. About that. And I'm <laughs> He's impressed. Just, He's gritting his teeth. He's, his jaw is clenched. He's like, I can't. I gotta get a new co-host. I'm just thinking. I'm like, what would John Piper say? No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, we come to the uh, our our chat scripture readings today are amazing. It's Genesis chapter 45, verses three through 11 and 15, and 
Then What's we have wrong first, with 12, 13, and 14? I know, meaningless. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 38, and 42 to 50. And then we dive in to continue the Sermon on the Plain with Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. So, Genesis chapter 45, the story of Joseph and his brothers. Just a, just a little bit of a background. You remember uh, jo- Jacob had 12 sons, and... Um, and anyway, and Joseph was his favorite. He gave him an amazing jacket. And uh, the brothers just despised Joseph because Joseph was super annoying and spoiled. Uh, they decided to kill him, but then they said, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. And then they sold him to some uh, Ishmaelites, distant cousins, who took him down to Egypt where uh, just life sucked for a long time. He um, uh, was made a servant where the wife hit on him, and then he was had no power, thrown in jail, and uh, but eventually had some amazing dreams and was he elevated. He interpret dreams. He was uh, uh, with the baker, the candlestick maker, and uh, and then he was elevated to prime minister, where then and there's all of a sudden a famine in the land, but his dreams were interpreted well, and Egypt is booming. Egypt's got food in the midst of this uh, land, and uh, his brothers come down, and basically, Thanks, Nile uh, Joseph uh, Joseph holds uh, his uh, one of his brothers up as captive, and uh, um, Benjamin and uh, the others they go back, and then they don't come back with the father, and it is just uh, we've come to this moment where um, uh, basically um, uh, the rent needs to be paid, and. Um, and so we have this amazing scene. Is there anything you want to say? Set the context. I got a lot to say, but uh, Hell, I mean, yeah. Um, so I think I know many situations where there has been a breakdown in family relationships because a sibling has done another sibling wrong, mm. and it is so rare that there is a Joseph that the sibling who has been done wrong actually forgives the others or the other. It's just so hard and it's so rare and this is why this passage is really a picture of scripture. I mean, Joseph was sold into slavery. He lost his youth. He lost the good years of his life and he was cut off from everything he knew and loved and, you know, moved to somewhere where there's a new language and a different culture and just, I mean, can you imagine? It's like, you know, there's a lot of stories about the horrors of human trafficking and it is horrible. Um, when somebody finds themselves in that situation. Uh, but what if your sibling, like, human trafficked you? Like, this is this is what his, his brothers did to him. And they've now come to him. Joseph has power over them. He can make their lives miserable. God has served up revenge on a silver platter to Joseph mm. if he wants it. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and it's covered in gravy. And, and yeah, um, and... and yeah, but I mean, with all the helpings uh, and trimmings and all of that, and and Joseph, it kind of wants to get revenge. Like when they first have this yeah. encounter, the brothers don't recognize him. He knows exactly who they are, and he's sort of torn. And so this is not something that's easy for him to do, but he has mercy, and it's this beautiful. And you see, like it just. This act of forgiveness just releases so much pain and, uh, I mean, like, it, it frees from the pain and the bitterness and all that. And, and Joseph, by God's grace, is able to see that, that 
God has worked through this entire situation, and of course this points points us to to Jesus uh, long term. Well, but so I mean yeah. that's that's the one thing I was like. This is a situation that many people could relate to on a visceral level because there is a sibling in their family who is cut yeah. off, or people well, in their family that don't talk to each other anymore. And you know how hard that forgiveness is, how bitter it is, how much you don't want to let the person off the hook. But if you can connect to God's grace and uh, stories like this, maybe, maybe, maybe you can. But well, ultimately, Jesus has done this for us. This is exactly what Jesus has done for us. A couple of things here, you know. Um, first of all, uh, God is at work in the real crap. Uh, yep. And he is at work in the real crap, uh, not just for something random, but for the sake of salvation. And uh, what God has done is he has worked through human trafficking. Can you stand it? He's worked through prison. He's worked through incredible injustice. Uh, one, to preserve the promise that, uh, that he would save the world through an heir. Uh, and so uh, the son of Abraham. And uh, so that is one thing that's going on right here is that God is at work. So, you know, when people are like, oh, God, you know, God will never give us more than we can handle. Not true. Uh, God uh, gives us a lot more than we can handle. And Joseph is a perfect example of that. And Joseph is a perfect example that God is oftentimes hidden in the total crap of life. Uh, so, Two, you're absolutely right. Here's his moment to uh, serve. Um, uh, he's got revenge on us. I love that. I'm going to take that. He's got revenge right here on a silver platter. Uh, but what he uh, says is that um, uh, he, he, he knows who they are. And here's how he becomes a type of Jesus. He knows who they are. And he knows their sin. And touched by the Holy Spirit, that he knows that not just their sin, but let's just call it what it is, their profound and deep betrayal. Yeah. Uh, he forgives them. He forgives them. And in this moment prior to this, all Joseph's brothers know they don't know who he is. And so here, Joseph becomes a type of Jesus as well, because when you don't know God's grace, when you don't know his mercy, when you haven't been touched by the greatest gift, which is love, all you can do is relate to your older brother as a distant prime minister who is to be feared. And so, um, but in this, Joseph becomes a type and a shadow of the God who works through evil and what was intended for evil, God turns and uses for good. And uh, Joseph becomes this type and shadow of Jesus by which these people are delivered to a land of, of safety. But it's not permanent. And here they fall and you see real beautiful recognition. And, uh, and, just, uh, and he kisses their head and weeps upon them. And this is an image of what our Lord does for all of us as well uh, when we've been touched by that uh, wonderful gift of love. The uh, times we're in where, and it's sort of, you know, it's kind of cliche to talk about it, but the advent of cancel culture, which is not new, it's just maybe war mind spread and having kind of a moment and um, social media kind of allows a, an avenue for it. Uh, it's that old, old, old human impulse of wanting people to get what they deserve. And the problem with people getting what they deserve is that we all deserve... <laughs> death 
Uh, yeah. We deserve to be cast out in the cold. We've all used people. We've all deceived people. We've all betrayed people. We've all lied. We've all put ourselves first. I mean, there's just not a single person that escapes judgment. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And so that's why forgiveness is the only thing. And this passage, his brothers don't get what they deserve. Uh, mm. And they get grace, and this is a, this is a miracle. So, Amen. Uh, if you can preach that for your people, uh, you've done them justice. You've you've helped them a lot. Yeah, that's mm. right. So, let's go on to the next passage. We continue through reading through First Corinthians. Paul's extended treatment here, um, again, over the past several weeks, of the reality of the resurrection that it really is real, and he's dealing with some of his critics. Uh, these intellectuals in Corinth or those intellectuals that are talking to the church in Corinth uh, about how could this resurrection be real? How could a body be raised from the dead? They're thinking, you know, they think our bodies resuscitated. Are you talking about zombies here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so Paul goes into this extended discourse in this passage today about what this resurrection body is and how it happens, and he doesn't get into details, but he is clear to say that um, we are raised, really, truly, fully. We have bodies, but our new bodies are different from the old bodies. Um, I think, you know, if you were to preach on this passage, I would emphasize that the common understanding, even within the church, of human beings after death, yes, that, you know, we live eternally, and but they kind of view us a little bit like the hologram of... Um, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi being projected mm-hmm. out of the side of R2-D2 that we live mm-hmm. on some sort of spiritual see-through yeah. like ghosts passing through walls or something um, but the scripture is really clear that we have a body just like Jesus had a physical body so when you think about what is a spiritual body that Paul talks about it doesn't mean like casting a ghost or Obi-Wan it's, Kenobi yeah. it means like Jesus's spiritual body when he was raised from the dead there was something different about it people didn't always quite recognize him but it was still a physical body that he you could touch, he ate food, all that sort of stuff. I think his point is saying that this new body is going to be so different and so real that it will be um, really hard to even understand what it is like. So, But he's trying to say, like, this is not just a resuscitation of some old bones. This is not Frankenstein. This is something... This is not um, better. This is new. Totally new. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and I think that's an important point is... This, like at the end when he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. What he's speaking about there is our fallen state, our, you know, the, the bodies that have been touched by, by the fall um, and what's happened to everybody. So it is, um, it, it is the, uh, literally this physical body is going to be put into the ground, but what will be raised will be uh, something brand new. And uh, something truly spiritual. But when we speak of spiritual in Christianity, we're speaking of the physical. Yeah, and I think it's so. This is a tricky passage to preach on because you got to yeah, get I'd a little it. bit into the into the mind of of uh, <laughs> kind of Hebraic and Greek understandings of the body and the spirit and all that sort of stuff. Um, but if you preach on it, I think a word that you can talk about is that heaven to quote the old book in the movie, but even though the book was proven to be, I think it was shown to be a hoax, but heaven is real. Like, just talk about the physicality of it. And I think it, it does add some dignity to human life in this existence. You know, God obviously glorifying human existence through his incarnation in Jesus Christ. And you talk about the physicality of Christianity, the physicality of heaven, the realness of it all. Uh, and that can answer and uh, some real deep existential concerns that people have. But this is a little bit harder to preach on. I will grant you that. 
And uh, so, you know, you have Jake's permission to not preach on this passage. Uh, moving on, though, to the Gospel of Luke. We're picking up right where we left off. Still, that Sermon on the Plain, Jesus has not brought the plane in for a landing yet. He's he's just said, blessed are the poor and blessed are the hungry and all that and, and woe to the rich and woe to the people that are full and woe to the people that won the Powerball. And, uh, and now he picks up with these statements today, that famous Jesus quote, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, turning the other cheek and all this sort of famous stuff. And then, of course, the golden rule in verse 31, do to others as you would have them do unto you. And of course, then at the end, do not judge, do not condemn, et cetera, et cetera. So, Jake, how do you not just turn this into Jacob Smith's rules for good living and a clean <laughs> Christian conscience and just preaching the law? I think, um, you know, the, it's just very similar to the way we talked about um, the first Corinthian passage when he speaks about the spiritual. He's not talking about orbs and Casper the friendly ghost. When people talk about uh, spirituality in our culture, they're tending, they tend to think of like um, high and uh, lofty and otherworldly kind of ideas. And the truth is, is that the old saying is true. Uh, uh, don't be so uh, heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And so what this actually is, and if you're going to preach it to your congregation, really, uh, because this is a whole whopping load of law. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, but what the way you preach this is descriptively. And the way you talk about this is that this is what sanctification looks like. This is what spirituality looks like. It says uh, that you have been so uh, touched by the gospel and the forgiveness of your sins, uh, going back to that collect, that um, uh, actually... Um, uh, as Jesus says in uh, another passage, those who've been loved much, uh, love much. Those who've been forgiven much, forgive much. And uh, this, is, this is what spirituality looks like. It looks like ultimately uh, recognizing how great your sin is and how profoundly you have... You are a betrayer like those brothers. And your sins have been forgiven. And you stand before God, not just not guilty, but totally innocent. And God is totally pleased with you. Uh, I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking about how the Lord had told them that like when they sinned, God was really hurt. And I just was like, that Dude. is that is nonsense. Uh, God uh, looks at you through Jesus and is always well pleased with you, even yeah. on your worst hair day. He is totally well pleased with you. And so, but when you really realize how great the transgression is and how how great the forgiveness is, well, gosh, uh, yeah. uh, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, stirred, and two olives running over. Well, that's been put in your lap for the measure. I prefer you, you know. three olives. Yeah, I mean, this just becomes, I mean, you have been given so much. And this becomes a transformative agent to make spirituality not extraordinary, but really ordinary uh, for the sake of the people you can't stand, including those who are unvaxxed and want to come to your house and talk about politics. <laughs> you know, this, Jake, I love you. And this makes me love you more. Just, I think you've hit on something so good, such, a, and it's such a needed um, uh, 
push back against this idea that spirituality is like feelings. Spirituality yes. is crystals or spirituality is energy. Spirituality is like not losing your temper at your boss. Spirituality <laughs> is um, reading your child another bedtime story. Spirituality yeah. is doing the freaking dishes and folding the laundry even when you don't have to and it's all clean in the hamper and you could just leave it there and pull the dirty clothes out there all every week. day of the week mm-hmm. or clean clothes. But if you actually folded them for the person you live with, Man, that is spirituality. That is true religion. And that's yeah. what this is saying. And and I think you've also said another really great thing, which if you're new to the podcast or new to Mockingbird in this whole universe of kind of the I say a lot of good things. No. Yeah. Jacob said <laughs> a lot kidding, of good shit. And the thing here that he says, Jake, that you said that's great, is that the way we look at passages like this that are typically understood as passages of law, passages of things you need to do, is that they are descriptive, not prescriptive, meaning they show and tell what it looks like when a person has been forgiven and mm. lives this, the fruit of the gospel. What does mm-hmm. it look like when the fruit appears on the branches of your tree? Uh, it looks like loving people who don't love you back. It mm-hmm. looks like um, doing good to your enemies. It looks like mm-hmm. treating people who uh, are not like you uh, with respect. And uh, this, uh, this passage describes that. As a prescription, go out there and do it. It ends up being what Nadia Boltzweber calls taping fruit to your tree. That's right. Um, and God, she's so uh, good. You get a hint at this in verse 36. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This mm-hmm. is Jesus pointing us to the fact that what we need to do is reconnect with the father's mercy for us. And then finally, the last thing I'll say here is just you see a case study in this, sort of an example, an illustration in the Joseph passage with his brothers because – when he forgives them, they then don't say, let's sell him into slavery again. We got away with it. Let's go do this one more time. Think about what we get for him now that he's the prime minister of Egypt. No, they just hug each other. They weep. They love him. And so the result of letting somebody off the hook, the result of mercy, is that you create someone who is merciful. And um, this is this is how you get Christians to do the things that Jesus lists here in Luke chapter 6. If they, The more you connect with the love that God has shown you, your, you said, Jake, the actual transgression and the actual forgiveness, the hugeness of the transgression, the hugeness of the forgiveness, that you find that the Holy Spirit begins to make you into a person who looks like Luke chapter 6, and but hopefully you're not really that aware of it, because if you are, that means you're probably more in the fruit taping category. Mm. So that's all I would say about that. Amen. That's good. Wow. Well, I mean, I think we've done it. I mean, if you can't preach that now, people, I don't know what. It's just we've given you the best we've got. That's all we got. So we'll we've done a... unto others as we would have you do unto us. So we hope this is helpful for yeah. you as you mount into the pulpits or stand behind your lucite lectern or whatever your context is. Maybe you memorize your sermon and just stand up there. and. I love your vocabulary, like man. You just... Nailing it, yeah. uh, and I just want to hey. encourage everybody. Hey, are you playing Wordle? Is are you playing? Wordle? No, I need to. I need to get on that though. Clearly, get on that. That's that's my secret. Where do you play Wordle at? Come on, Google it. It's okay. a it's a website in the UK. All right, get on the, get on the bandwagon. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, everybody, uh, pull up another episode and uh, have some chocolate, and uh, let our uh, sultry voices soothe you through the New <laughs> Testament this fall at Valentine's Day. Have a great That's day. Right. O- open that box of wine and have a good night. Somebody's looking. Somebody 
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.